The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, we've got a Thursday edition of Bird 65 coming your way for the next two hours here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. JM, a little cool, a little dark, a little chilly out there. We're right around the corner from the holidays. And oh, by the way, not only the, the days to Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever one you celebrate, counting down. So are the days to the Eagles season. We've only got five games left. And yes, this is going to sound strange, but because the calendar tells it so, this is a must-win game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Must-win game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Am I overstating the case? Uh, mathematically, probably. But yeah, I think they have to win this game. I think they have to, you know, the, if we're talking playoffs, and I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's such a jumbled mess at the end of the NFC playoff picture. Right now, it's Washington, five and six, who would be the last team in. I have a bunch of uh, five and six teams ahead of the Eagles, who are five and seven. So they're they're a little up against it. Certainly, when they look back, if they don't make it, they'll probably look at that Giants game. They'll certainly look at this Jets game if they're not able to win it. However, a couple of the teams ahead of them, New Orleans would be one of them who plays tonight. Uh, so that's a big game for Eagles fans to keep an eye on. It's tough. You know, that's a Sophie's choice. It's probably better for them for Dallas to win, to be honest, uh, than for New Orleans. Uh, if you want to make the playoffs, again, what's your goal? Uh, but they have an advantage. They have an advantage over Atlanta because of the tiebreaker. Um and I have those two games against the Washington football team who's probably, not definitely, but probably going to be the team you have to jump over to make that that seventh spot. But it would be a lot nicer if you had that win over the Jets in your back pocket you got to the late season bye. I, I do think from a figurative standpoint, that's probably it. If you go up to the Jersey Turnpike in the year of the Jersey Turnpike draft, that's what I'm talk, calling it, where everybody from everybody from the Eagles to the Jets and the Giants have two picks in the first ten. You lose to two teams who got, you know, one of those picks because of how bad they are. That that's a bad couple of weeks. That's Agreed. a bad couple of weeks. And uh if they had beaten the Giants this past week, if Jalen Rager hangs on to that ball and falls into the end zone. It would be a different view we would have, certainly going into tonight's Thursday nighter. 
Uh, I went through all the tiebreakers and what needed to happen last week. And here's how the Eagles can get to week 18 and the division could be on the line. Well, it had to start with the Eagles beating the Giants yeah. this past yeah. week. When they lost to the Giants, that kind of throws all the figuring that I did right out the window. So, yes, now it is more likely a uh, wild card spot that the Eagles would be looking to grab if they're going to get any uh, playoff uh, spot whatsoever. So, yeah, it's actually better for the Cowboys to win tonight than the Saints. And uh, maybe I'll ask you about that game a little bit later. Saints are in the same mess they were when the Eagles beat them two weeks ago. They yeah. still got questions all over the place as far as availability of key guys on their offense. Um, but I do want to stick with the Eagles first. And the game is coming up against the Jets on Sunday. Yes, I'm planning on being in the house. Uh, yeah. My brother and I are heading up together. John McMullen will be in the uh, climate-controlled press box. Yours truly will be uh, uh, roughing it outside uh, with <laughs> the masses, yeah. which I'm very much looking forward to because I haven't been to an NFL game yet this year. So uh, it should be fun on Sunday. They have to win that game, and there is no question, John McMullen, who that quarterback's going to be. You and I talked extensively yesterday about what Gardner Minshew playing could mean to the Eagles, how it could be advantageous for the Eagles, whether the Eagles would dictate it or not. Well, no. Jalen Hurts dictated it yesterday in his very minimalistic way and said, no, I'm the quarterback. I'm good to yeah. go. And that's I, I, You know, it's one of the things Jason Kelsey did the same thing as well. I, I expected the Eagles have done this during the season. They played this competitive advantage game that I kind of chuckle at. Uh, and that's why I expected them to keep this going as long as possible uh, to have the Jets guessing. And it was, you know, I had a conference call later in the afternoon with Robert Sala and he was laughing anyway. I'm not buying the ankle injury. It's not like he's not preparing for, for Jalen Hurts. So, I liked it from uh, from both sides and the fact that the Eagles said, no, man, let's not mess with this. And I, I think they did it particularly at the quarterback position because there is some questions and they don't want to they don't want those questions going further uh, than they need to go. People are still going to talk about it. We've talked about it. Everybody's talked yep. about it. Uh, you know, if Jalen Hurts doesn't have his full range of mobility, there's a legitimate question to wonder, will he be effective enough to, to beat uh, anybody, never mind the New York Jets? Um, and the Eagles stamped it right down and said, no, uh, Jalen did it. Everyone has essentially said he's the quarterback. Now, you always have that something can happen in practice and all that kind of stuff. And that's that's always happens. Jordan Mailata got injured in practice earlier this year when he had to miss a, a couple of games with a sprained knee. That happened in a practice, not a game. So it does happen. But he's online to play. Jason Kelsey's online to play. Um, the bigger question marks would be uh, Jordan Howard, obviously, wasn't able to get out there. And um, they only had a walkthrough third consecutive week on a Wednesday, they've done a walkthrough. So it was a injury estimation as they call it. And then we'll see Miles Sanders as well as the week continues to go on. Uh, he was limited, estimated as limited. He's got the ankle injury. And then he had a couple of illnesses, non COVID illnesses. Um, so that still exists. And that was Boston Scott, Devonte Smith. So you could see, you know, 
all the names on that list, Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Question on the fact that yesterday was just a walkthrough. As you noted, it's not uh, a rare occurrence that the Eagles do this more <laughs> often now than they actually practice. It's an NFL thing as much as it's an Eagles thing. Do they practice enough? Do they get enough time in? We, we've been looking at Jalen Rager and his struggles. And what do you do if not Jalen Rager? You keep telling me, sorry, Greg Ward's just not good enough to play in the National Football League. Other than blocking, do you really want to throw the ball to J.J. Arcega Whiteside? Okay. Well, how about Kenneth Gainwell? How about they use him in the slot more than they do? And that surely wasn't the plan when they drafted him to make him a wide receiver. But if you could get him up to speed and get enough snaps for him in practice, maybe you'd be comfortable enough to put him there in the games. Does that even accrue anything if it's just a walkthrough? that he gets a couple of reps and a walkthrough to become a uh, slot receiver? Did the well, one, yeah, one. Enough? And, you know, I brought up that as well. Um, they're not going to do it, and they're not going to do it because they don't practice enough. Um, and you're right. No, if they want it – well, there's two parts to that, obviously. First, they would want it. They would, uh, they would have to want to do it, which they don't. And they don't because they don't practice enough. So it's sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was going to say, and which I, comes first, the yeah, chicken or the egg? Exactly. Uh, which is, you know, I, I always go back to that Jim Swartz comment, who has been around for a long time under many systems, under many CBO limitate, CBA limitations. And at the end, he said, you know, the off season is for teaching uh, training camp is for evaluation and the regular season is for preparation. It's no stinking time. So when I go back to your first question, Jody, did they practice enough? My answer to that would be yes and no. Yes. For the current environment. No. And this is, I've had this larger discussion with you. I think the NFL product stinks right now, not the athletes, not the players, they're better than they've ever been. But they don't have the time to sharpen their technique and sharpen their fundamentals. And that's why you have a game like on last Thursday on Thanksgiving where you have 177 penalties called. And they're all legit. For all the people complaining about Sean Hockley and that, I talked about it with you about all those holding calls. Go watch the game. If you DVR'd it, if you taped it, they were all legit. Because yep. guys are grabbing and holding, lack of technique. You know, some of these old school coaches would lose their mind. Why does that happen? Because they don't practice enough. But they can't practice enough because they're limited. Right. So, so the goal shifted, Jody, from getting the guys prepared to keeping them as healthy as possible as long as possible right and here's where uh i separate with the road yesterday is a prime example even though you've told me this has happened several times in the last couple of weeks yesterday should have been a practice day not a walkthrough day yes they have collective collectively bargained the amount of time that they can practice so far back, it's almost unrecognizable to guys like you who've been covering in the league for uh, speaking up on 20 years, me who's been following it for 40 years. 
it's not forget about my dad's NFL. It's not even my NFL anymore. And okay, they did that. You have to adjust to it. You're an, a fan. How much does it really affect you? Depends on how much you're into the team. I get it. You got to play by the rules. But there are options within the rules. And the Eagles opted yesterday to go with a walkthrough rather than a practice. <clears throat> that to me is is a mistake. If you're trying to weigh keeping the guys fresh, keeping the guys healthy under actually doing things to improve your ability to play on a Sunday at this stage, I'm leaning toward, we got to win the game. We got to do what we got to do to be in the best position to win the game on Sunday and not worry about, Oh, well, he's been in the league for seven years. So we're not going to make him practice. We'll not make any break. We'll just go through a walkthrough. I'm sorry. I think the Eagles are making a tactical mistake. I don't, I, I, I understand your part of it. I, I would throw, the one thing you're missing, the reason the Eagles are doing this is they're late bye week. And that's why they start. And that's what Nick said. Um, the week he started doing it this way, he's trying to get the guys to the bye week. Now, typically in an NFL schedule, you're most happy if the bye week comes somewhere right in the middle of the season. Right. Uh, that's the, the thought process. If they had a bye week in week eight or week nine, they probably wouldn't be doing this. They probably would be practicing as normally on Wednesday. Now, on the back end of that, you could say, is it really, is it that much of a difference? You know, I, I think it's more of a mental thing than anything else. Uh, one of the things, you know, when when the arguments came out for expanding the schedule to 17 games, you had all these over-the-top hysterics about player safety and this and that. And look, 17 games is is not helpful. But I, I think there was this weird thought process that, hey, 16 is fine. You can beat the crap out of yourself for 16 games is fine. But 17, 17, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. It doesn't make a lot of sense from, right. from a logic standpoint point I'm, I'm i'm getting to it doesn't make a lot you know one bye week if it's in the middle of the season versus week 13 you're banged up or you're not banged up you have some injury luck you have some good luck you have some bad luck but that's the way nfl teams think and it becomes this group think thing and oh you got to get the players fresh you got to get them healthy so i agree with you look you should they have scaled back practice enough to, from the from the old days that you were talking of, that no matter what you do, if you have them in pads every single time you're allowed, it's going to be much less than it ever was in the past. So I tend to agree with you. I would prefer to practice. I would prefer to prepare. But in a case like Gainwell, that kind of stuff isn't going to happen in a regular season in this era of modern football. That's off-season stuff. Yeah. If you're going to change positions and change – unless desperation enters into it. Yeah, if you have 50 – I just talked about the running backs. Well, if you don't have your your top running back, your, your, your backup, your third-string running back, you might have to get somebody off the street. We see it all the time. Like quarterback position might be COVID wiped out with the Denver receiver that had to play quarterback. You might have to do something in a desperation, but nobody wants to do that without the preparation. 
And that's where, all right, if you're telling me, Jody, you can't be critical of the Eagles. Not no, having... you can be critical. I, I I agree. They should use every moment they they have. I'm just trying to give you their thought process behind why they're doing it. They're doing it because of the late buy. You can be critical of it. I, I just add that context because that's their thought process behind why they started it, to get to the bye week as healthy as possible. And, oh, by the way, just so the people know, next week here on Birds 365, when the Eagles are actually in there, by the way, they are off from Sunday through when? When they say bye week, they're not kidding. They're, um, they're, they're yeah. not no, They have to have the weekend off. That's collectively bargained. You could bring them back Monday. Most teams don't. Um, they'll probably be back. But that's the following Monday, not this yeah. Monday. Correct. They're gone for an entire week. Correct. They get to do whatever the hell they want for an entire week. Yes. Will the facilities be open if someone wants to come in and work out? Will they allow them to do so? Yeah, sure. But they're not expected. Well, you to also do have that. COVID protocols as well now. So if you're unvaccinated, uh, you know, you got to test every day, all that you can't go anywhere. Um, they upped the protocols because of spiking. So that stuff's really fluid. It's, it's difficult. You know, if you have to travel, you have to do different things. They, they upped them for Thanksgiving because people are going to be around their families, all this. It's, it's messy. How many players, and I know you don't know this because uh, the Eagles shouldn't reveal this to you or to anybody else, but there's always uh, the chance for uh, speculation. How many players do you think the Eagles have that are unvaccinated? Uh, not a lot. I mean, way back, it was over 90%. They confirmed that well over 90% was the terminology. I think Howie Roseman used, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, I know was unvaccinated. Um, Joe Placco did not know he was unvaccinated until he got to the jets because I never saw him adhering to protocols. So, <laughs> you know, but we saw Aaron Rodgers. um, you know what the heck he was doing the whole time when he was immunized so yeah i mean these i I hate to say it i'm gonna say it i know people on the on the stream don't like it when we talk about COVID issues this is all public facing pr stuff i mean they adhere to these protocols when they want to they don't when they don't want to i don't care either way i just it's just it's it's ridiculous. It is. It's a, it's public relations grandstand. Nobody cares till you have a COVID yeah, breakout exactly. on the team, and then everybody cares. Oh, how did you um, not follow protocol? Exactly, exactly. Um, but if you say ninety uh, percent, so that means on a fifty-some odd man roster, you got four or five guys uh, who didn't get vaccinated. So those four or five have to come in and test every day. Every is, day. That's every how day. you would. Probably have a pretty good guess <laughs> who's not vaccinated if you sat down in the, <laughs> the parking oh, lot. And yeah. so, men every day you go, oh, okay. I, Unfortunately, they don't. They will the not day. let us in the parking lot to do something. Not that we would, but it, it's, um, yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons. That's one of the ways they try to incentivize whatever term you want to call it players to get vaccinated because they made it really, really difficult for players who aren't vaccinated. There are teams, I know Cincinnati is one, uh, Minnesota is another that have a 
boatload of unvaccinated players, and uh, it has affected uh, teams like that um, pretty dramatically. So, you know, if if you test positive, you're out for 10 days no matter what. And if, if the timing is wrong, that's two games, even right. if you don't have, you know, any symptoms or very light symptoms, even if you could play, you're out. And if the wrong player gets tested positive, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's why I don't understand. I get it. And again, I, I don't want to open up a uh, running stream conversation on should you be vaccinated? Should you be vaccinated? Uh, the whole political side. I, I choose not to do that this time, but I do want to say this. So if that's what happens, so be it. That would be enough for me. If I was a guy who was sitting on the fence about whether to be vaccinated or not, and I want to have my choice, and I don't want to be dictated to, and people are still uh, getting COVID even though they've already been vaccinated, for no other reason. If I can make my life easier by getting a shot yeah. Yeah, that I, I can care. actually get away on my bye week rather than have to come into the office every day to get a test, That'd be enough for me. Go ahead. Please give me the shot. Yeah. If for no other reason, well, you put the whole medical for me, aspect of it and your own personal choice aspect of it. The rules say you can make your life so much easier by getting vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Yeah. For me, it was even easier than that. I didn't even have to go that far. I had to get vaccinated to do my job or I couldn't do my job. So that's it. End of conversation for me. Uh, that uh, no other i i mean that's it and if and oh oh by the way joe kraus wants to pay me i I don't know jordan my lot of money i want to go team friendly i want to go team friendly i'm not trying to break the bank but you know if i was making that much money uh, i i don't i don't give a hoot you know and and then there's the aspect there's been a lot of quarterbacks in this league starting with aaron Rodgers, obviously look that that position, you got to be available. Yeah. And uh, I don't understand that. And there's a lot of them uh, for some reason. Uh, we just talked about Joe Flacco, but he's a backup. But even so, <clears throat> Kirk Cousins, one of them, Lamar Jackson's one of them, confirmed not vaccinated. There's a couple others I probably can't think of off the top of my head. Man, I, that would not go over well for me. If I'm running a, a a football team, all right. And as far as we know, Jalen Hurts is vaccinated. But yeah, we he also is. Know yes, he that he had a really tough game last week against the uh, Giants. We're debating on the three interceptions that he had. Were they all his fault? Were the receivers' not ability to get open a big part of it? Was it a poorly designed play? He's still learning. That's what Jalen told us yesterday. Um, although he it's like the Zapruder film, by the way, Jody, that last play, yeah. I've never seen so many fans, so many screenshots with arrows. Devontae Smith is open. Boy, one thing I do know about fans, they don't know how athletic NFL defensive backs are. They think, uh, you know, and, right. and guy's, by the got way, a, guy's got a half a step. He's yeah. wide open. Oh, he's wide no, open. he's not. He's wide open. And not only Bradbury's doing that on purpose to make it a tougher throw, and he knows he's got help on the back end. And, oh, by the way, that safety is Xavier McKinney, who can, you know, who can move a little bit. So he's playing over the top. And he took a step inside because he, you know, he's he's reading the quarterback's eyes. 
when they when they see the quarterback go, those safeties move, man, and they move. And yeah, yeah, it, it was a tight window throw if he was able to get it out to Devontae Smith when he raised his hand. Aaron Rodgers can make that throw. He can make yeah. that throw. He's open. A lot of quarterbacks, they can't make that throw. The Eagles quarterback, I don't want him making that throw, to be honest. Uh, but then the other part, which nobody brings up, it was already over by that point. The pass rush forced him to move up by the time Devontae Smith uh, uh, raised his hand. They don't look at that aspect of it as well. Right. It's 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 absurd to me. One one of the things that uh, critics who uh, I don't want to say aren't educated, but apparently well, you can say don't it. aren't under, educated, don't understand it enough. You just uh, correctly described it as a screenshot. That's stop time. Yeah, that's the clock's not moving. That's frozen action that isn't really even action. It's a picture. You can make a picture say anything you want. You're not dealing with the reality of the play that we're talking about less than a second of reaction time that Jalen Hurts has got to make sure he's got the ball, that he's got his feet set, that he's got the right angle, that Smith is exactly where he wants to be, that he's got to release the ball and got to be able to get it there on time. And Jalen Smith's got solid arm strength, not above average, not Aaron Rodgers, that's for damn sure. But you don't factor any of that in. You just look at, oh, he's open. <laughs> and, that- plus, and plus, you don't know the progression of the route. And Nick actually explained the progression of the route. First of all, it was a badly run route, cr- uh, uh, crossing route, Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith. So, number one, they did a really bad job uh, for what they're supposed to accomplish on the route. The progression, one, 1A was Devontae Smith, 1B was Dallas Goddard. Dallas was running. Dallas, they took Dallas out of the play, so he was quickly out of it. So it was, they were supposed to get the ball to Devontae Smith crossing to get the first down, hopefully get out of bounds. So it was bang, bang. That's the progression. That's the progression. And Bradbury, as I said, very savvy cornerback. Anybody who knows, you know, one of the best zone corners, arguably the best zone corner in pro football. He's in the conversation. So he undercuts the route. He flattens it out, as they call it, making it a more difficult touch-like throw. You got In other words, you got to throw it all over him instead of, you know, because he doesn't have as much space. He's not three yards in front of the corner. And he's able to do that because he knows he has safety help over the top. And he also knows the route being run. He also knows the goal of the route. The goal of the route is not to turn up the field. And raise your hand. That's when the scramble part of it stopped. Bradbury stopping the 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 what the Eagles are trying to accomplish on the route, and he did a tremendous, tremendous job of doing it. And again, people don't understand that part of it. Then when the scramble drill part of the bit starts. Again, Jalen has started to move anyway because of the pass rush, because of the timing. And you have to move to keep the play alive. And by that point, obviously, he's looking at other parts. And it's not necessarily, you know, NFL action, as you mentioned, Jody, happens pretty quickly. It's not, uh, oh, 
I can look over here. Nobody's open. I can look in the middle of the field. Nobody's open. I can look on the left. Of the field. Oh, he's wide open. I'm going to throw the football. Um, and he wasn't wide open. But that's the second part of it. And then the most amusing part of all of this to me is it was a great throw that should have worked. It maybe was his best throw, his second best throw of the game. It was right there. Why, why, why are people complaining? The receiver dropped the stinking football. Right. Well, I think the people have. All right. Again, this is just your own. Everyone's got their own personal perception of what people are saying. I think Jalen Rager's taking enough grief. Uh, it's not like Jalen Rager has gotten a pass on this because ooh, he shouldn't even have thrown it to Rager. He should have thrown it to, to, to Smith. To no, people acknowledge Rager's got to make that catch. Plain and simple. Uh, you're uh, no, I, I agree with that part of it. I'm not trying to say. I, I just mean this this mentality. You got to get the ball to Devontae Smith. You got to get the ball to Devontae Smith at the biggest moment of the game. No, you know, in fact, if he's open, yeah, get him the football. If he's taking double coverage, if he's bracketed, if he's taking a lot of attention and somebody else is, is, is open on the other side of the field, take that. I right. mean, that's that's the beauty of having great players, you know. They want to take them out of the game. They want to give them attention. They want to – and that enables you to go in other directions, um, and it should have worked. It didn't work. Obviously, it would be a different conversation if it did work. Right. Uh, but it didn't. But, uh, again, now we've come full circle. I don't have faith that Jalen Rager is going to make the catch. Well, that's, that's I fair. had, yes. And that's why you got to get better from a personnel standpoint. Right. Could he have forced the ball to Smith? Yes. Could he have potentially gotten it in there? Yes. Could it have been done in that millisecond that he had? Yes. Or it could have been tipped, or it could have been dropped, or it could have been intercepted. He decided not to throw it. He ended up pulling the trigger to Jalen Rager. It was a good throw, and he was open, and he got his hands on the ball, and he dropped it. So that's all that matters. He dropped it. And I want another option. That's why I'm saying, why don't we practice and get Kenny Gainwell up to speed so he can play in, in the slot, yeah. and get Jalen Reganell off the field? That's where we go full circle to the Jets on Sunday. All right, coming back, I do want to talk more about Jalen Hurts saying yesterday he's learning. It's nice. He's learning. He had been very good protecting the football up until this Sunday about the Giants. That's an accurate statement. How long do we have to wait for him to learn? We're down to just five games this year. He's had 11 starts now. This isn't Jalen Hurts, the rookie, anymore. Even if you go back to last year, add in the games that he had to the games he had this year, he's now logged more than the season in the NFL. Is the learning curve still a little bit too slow for Jalen Hurts? Come back, talk about it with my partner, John McMullen, in a second, right here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. He is John McMullen. I am Jordan McDonald. That makes you smack a Mac now, Birds 365. Thank you for tuning in. And oh, by the way, please like the show. Come on. Yeah, you might not like what the Eagles did this past Sunday against the Giants. Nobody does. Doesn't mean you can't like the show. Hit that like button. We need your help. Uh, by the way, Jody, uh, we are loved in Switzerland. Who, what, where? Us, yeah. How the hell do you know that? Uh, somebody sent us a tweet. Uh, your show was also loved in Switzerland. 136 minutes. They showed the screenshot for a total of 14,650 minutes from Switzerland, Joseph. Get out of here. Yeah, a Birds fan in Switzerland? Oh, yeah. They're all over. See, here's the, reason, of... here's the reason why I have trouble believing that. Isn't Switzerland like the most neutral country on the planet that they <laughs> don't get involved? The one yeah, thing you should... can't say about Eagles fans is they're neutral. Yeah, they're neutral. No, they're, they're usually very opinionated yeah. and come down strong on one side or the other. I don't see. Well, maybe that's yeah. why he's listening to Bird sixty five because he's actually a misfit in Switzerland because there's nothing neutral about Florida. By the way, football. it is December as well. I want to get this in. So players of the month are coming out. Jake Elliott, congratulations, NFC Special Teams Player of the Month for November. That's, yeah, uh, nice. that's the good news. The bad news: the Offensive Player of the Month, Justin Jefferson. Mm. <laughs> Way to rub salt in the wounds there, McMullen. Uh, uh, hey, the facts are the facts are the facts, and you got to yeah. deal with them. Um, I don't want to talk about Jefferson or uh, Elliott. I do want to talk about the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, and he is quickly becoming, I'm actually a little surprised by this, um, what I like to call a lightning rod player. And there have been many of them here in Philadelphia over the years that people feel the need to take a strong stance with or against. 
And certainly Carson Wentz became that last year here in Philadelphia with people defending him and or uh, wanting him to run out of town. And then, of course, when he ran himself out of town, good riddance to bad rubbish. Uh, I did not think that was going to be Jalen Hurts because he's such a laid back kind of guy that he's not going to say something that's going to generate that much uh, emotion from Eagle fans. And he did. He was laid back again yesterday. You're going to play? Yeah. You're going to be good to go? Yeah. That's about it. That's all you can get out of uh, the quarterback of the Eagles. But for whatever reason he has become, and I get it, if there's one position on one team in this town that is going to generate emotion, it's the quarterback position on the Philadelphia Eagles. But I thought Hurts might be the exception, not the rule. Um, No, people have strong opinions on Jalen Hurts and whether he's good enough now, going to be good enough going forward for the future. I've been all year long very consistent. Why do I have to decide now? Everybody wants, well, is he good enough? Let him continue to play. Let's continue to evaluate. I don't have to make call right now. The Eagles don't have to make call right now. Nobody's got to make. They said before the year, it's a transition year. They're going to give him the entire year. Well, John, the clock's ticking. We're down to just five games left. And there are five games against marginal defenses, including the Dallas Cowboys, which is the last game of the season, which who the hell knows what that could Are the Cowboys even going to play their top players? We don't even know that yet. But none of the teams left on the Eagles' schedule, do you say, wow, that defense is tough. That's going to be a tough team to score points against. Washington, no, surprisingly, thought they were going to be one of the better defenses in football. They've been mediocre. The Giants, despite holding the Eagles to seven points last year, up until that point, had not been a very good defense. The Jets, sorry to say, are not a very good defense. They should be able to score points coming down the stretch here. Jalen Hurts will probably make or break his future with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yesterday, he talked about learning, that he's still learning. And he had been learning and taking good care of the football up until his past week when he turned it over three times, three picks. Does the learning have to go out the window? Do we now have to evaluate Jalen Hurts for just what he is? Or is he still within his rights to say, come on, I just just got over the one year, one full season hump. I'm still a learning guy and you should judge me that way. Is that the way you're judging it is the way I'm judging him. Yeah, he certainly has the ability to learn, continue to evolve, get better. You've seen, I mean, one of the best things until the Giants game, as you mentioned, was ball security. He was uh, tremendous uh, up until that game uh, for most of the year compared to the very short sample size as a rookie. Um, you know, but I always say, I, I, Jalen's not saying, you know, evaluate me as a learning quarterback. I say this all the time. You can you can play his um, press conference after the Giants game uh, to after any win. He's the same stinking guy. It's pretty amazing. He always talks about learning. Whether they win, whether they beat the Lions uh, by whatever, 38 points on Halloween or blow somebody else out, or, or the Denver game was probably, uh, you know, the happiest this team has been all year. Same same guy, same guy. It's just a, a, another moment to learn. Then when he has his worst game of the year, and I think that was his worst game, certainly as a passer at least, uh, he was great um, as he normally is as a runner up until getting banged up. Um, he says the same stuff. Uh, 
But I, I would say there's this weird sort of, you're right, first of all. You, you don't have to say he's the guy, he's not the guy after every week. It's silly. People should stop that. Um, but you, you, you do have the right to say, look, nobody deserves anything. I hear this constant, he deserves the year, he deserves this, he deserves that. You don't want to look at Russell Wilson, you know, Adam Schefter's on 97.5, wherever he was yesterday, saying, oh, he'd waive his no-trade clause for the Eagles. Uh, Jalen deserves it. No, if you can go get Russell Wilson, go get Russell Wilson. If you can go get Deshaun Watson, a clear Deshaun Watson, we always got to put that caveat on there. Go get Deshaun Watson. Go get Aaron Rodgers, which isn't going to happen, but whatever. You get my point. If you can go get a player like that, nobody deserves anything. That's what this league is. It's it's production. Um, you're trying to win. Nobody's thinking about eight years down the road in the modern NFL. Everything's at most a three-year picture. You could argue a two-year picture. I don't want to hear about where is he. Russell Wilson's going to be 38 in five years, Jody. I don't give a flying you-know-what. You're going to have to turn it over anyway, most likely. Look what happened to Carson Wentz. You thought you had the answer. A couple of years later, everything goes uh, haywire. Great. If you can get somebody for 20 years, that's awesome. But, you know, that things have sped up dramatically in the NFL uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and if you can get a player, look at Tampa Bay. I mean, how many teams said, well, obviously Tom Brady's Tom Brady. We all know he's he's the outlier. He's the goat. He's out of it. There were teams in this league, most notably, I'm looking at you, Kyle Shanahan. Well, we can't take a 44 year old guy. What are we? What are we gonna... They win the stinking Super Bowl in year one, Jody. Year one yep. at 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 43, and at 44, they're a significant contender again, or however old he is. I can't even keep it up. Um, I I mean, I don't get that thinking. Nobody deserves anything in this league, and that's why I use the term the FU player. There are certain players that, yeah, great. I love you. You're 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 a great kid. You work hard. You're a leader. You're a natural leader. I think it's more likely than not that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of this team in in, in 2022 at this point. Um, but if I can get that type of player and that door is open for me. Except you, I love you, but you'll you'll find another gig. You're good enough, and he'll be here as a backup. Or they'll trade him, right? And that's what they drafted him for was to be a backup anyway. And in year two, he had become the starting quarterback. Uh, so uh, no, no one should say that Jalen Hurts has not been given an opportunity. As a matter of fact, I'm not thinking it's time to cut the learning curve. That uh, Tom Brady probably says, "I'm still learning." <laughs> If you don't know it now, buddy, 22 years into your career, shame yeah, on you. But, but that's learning. what that's what people are going to say. I'm still learning. It's a catch-all and it's a cover. And yeah, I'm about <laughs> ready to put the cover full of covers off for Jalen Hurts. That if you're still learning, that's a problem. That if you were here last year as a backup, learned a little that you could, standing on the sidelines watching Carson get thrust in and get some good experience, some learning experience in games last year. That was a good thing. 
we're now two-thirds of the way through the season, and you put an entire season uh, in as a starting quarterback. It's now more about production than it is about learning. It's now more about getting the job done than it is about I'll be better for it down the road. It's about getting points on Sunday versus the New York Jets. And here's the funny thing about it. You you say what you want. You say what you hope is happening. You're looking at the best case scenario. Yeah, I think the Eagles are going to win. But again, I think it's because the Jets aren't the good football team. They're not a good defensive team. Uh, Their young quarterback has, oh, we talk about learning. Man, he's still very much in the learning curve phase, which Eagles need to take advantage of this weekend. I, I don't even know if we're going to get any more information. You and I have, over the last uh, couple of days, couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, talked about the balancing act that the Eagles have, that they're trying to win games, they're trying to make the playoffs, but they're also trying to learn some things about their players, about whether these are players that they want to commit to again in 2022, 2023, and it's not an easy job that Nick Sirianni has. Sometimes I think the priorities get askew, that there's too much of a lean toward we need to learn something. We need to find out something. We need to get more yeah, information. everything's about the future now. Everything I blame the NBA for that. Everything's about the future. Everything. Well, you can't do what, that. What do you mean? The 76ers and the, the process? Yeah. Everything's about the future. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, last year to use the Sixers as an example. Oh, you can't go get James Hart. There was that group. You can't give up Tyrese Maxey, who's developing nicely, is a is turning into a, a really good young player. You can't give up uh, Matisse Thibel, who's a great defensive player. You can't give those guys up for James Hart. James Hart, one of the greatest scorers in the history of the NBA, who could have put you over the top if he's healthy. And, you know, people are, have lost their minds with the future uh, conversation. It's always about the future. It's never about now. If the window is open, like people are killing the Los Angeles Rams right now because they they've hit the skids and they hit the skids right when they traded for Von Miller and they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. and um, they haven't handled it well over the past month of the season and they don't have any draft picks and everybody's panicking and everything's on fire. Look, the window was open. They went for it. I applaud them. Does it always work? No, it doesn't always work. But it's never going to work if you don't try. The Eagles are in a different philosophy, but Nick's a different, uh, different time in their sort of window. Every, you know, as you know, Jody, sports are cyclical. Everybody's going to have ups. Everybody's going to have downs. Uh, players get old. Great players. One of the hardest things you have to do is transition from a great player and, and move on. That was the struggle with the Eagles. They thought their championship window was open probably a little bit longer than it really was. And that's where they made the mistakes. But Nick Sirianni got asked this question yesterday about that balancing act. That's Howie's job. That's Howie Roseman's job. His job is to win on Sunday. And he said it again, and he made it very clear uh, on, on Sunday. My point with the head coach, though, excuse me, is he's playing an offense he doesn't want to play. He's playing an offense to win games because of what he has. So that is telling to me. When we talk about gathering information, that's information. Right, but here's where where, um, 
going to both praise and question Sirianni, at least the way that you just laid it out. He's trying to win with an offense that he doesn't really want to run. No, 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 no. When Sirianni was hired in that first pretty pathetic uh, public appearance <laughs> that he ever made, he sat there and looked in the camera and said, I'm not going to try and put a square peg in a round hole. I'm going to coach to fit the talent that I have. I don't have, uh, several legal coaches have said this, system. What system? We don't have a system. We play determined by who we're playing against or whatever. That flexibility was going to be a key to this Eagle staff, that they weren't going to come in and have this regimented way of winning games and damn it, we're going to get the exact players to fit that. No, it's impossible to go cherry pick the guys you want from any other team or in the draft. The guys you need are going to be there whenever you come up. No, you have to be able to be flexible and stay open-minded and have different ways to move the football and the like. And Sirianni stood up there day one and said, I'm one of those kind of guys. I'm not going to be the system is my way or the highway. No, I'm, we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. So I'm not going to cut him slack now that, oh, he's got him on a system that he really doesn't want. He can't go too diet tight. He wants I'm not, to go well, three you're, you're taking number one. I think that's a positive. I think Nick Sirianni has been true to what he said. Number one, he, he, he hasn't. What I'm trying to say, those two things are not mutually exclusive. What I'm trying to say is that to me, and that's why I call him the best rookie head coach, even though, you know, you could argue Brandon Staley. I think it's been Nick Sirianni. He has. He he has shifted in season. He has shown that flexibility. He is trying to build his offense around the talent he has as best he can. What I'm trying to say is that's not his goal. Every coach should have a philosophy, a DNA. And Jonathan Gannon, who got in trouble for saying, I don't have a scheme, later came back and defined it more clearly. No, you have a philosophy, whether you want to call it a scheme, a DNA, whatever you want to call it, whatever right. term. And you, you're trying this entire time. You're working with your GM. You're, you're, you're conversing. You're trying to get players that fit what you want to do. And it's never perfect, as you said, Jody. Uh, but you get as close as humanly possible. And the great coaches, on their route to where they want to go, take advantage of what they have. I think that's been the most, literally the most positive part of Nick Sirianni as a head coach to this point is his ability to be flexible, flexible and, and, and work up a, a, at times, I'm not going to say because at times it's been incompetent, at times competent offense around the talent he has. However, I'm also going to tell you, he doesn't want to run that offense. He runs 11 personnel on the field. He wants explosive passing plays. That's what he wants. He can't do that right now, so he's trying to get through as best as possible. And I concur with everything that you just said. But now we have this week. And Jalen Rager is going to be back out there for 85% of the snaps. <laughs> well, yeah. That... And I'm sorry, that's not flexible, coach. That's not uh, – I, I, I'm doing what I have to do to win games – I'm a well, Sunday guy. Howie Roseman's Remember, got to keep his eye on the future. I don't. I'm the coach. My job is to win games. Well, if your job is to win games this week, 
Jalen Rager can't be on the field for 85% of your offensive snaps. Well, that's player evaluation. And you and I agree on that. I think, and I've said this on, on Birds 365, I said it on Football 24-7, I've said it all over the place. I think Jalen Rager has played himself off the field. I think you got to try something else. You and I agree on that. The Eagles don't. Nick Sirianni said that very term. He gives us the best chance to win, which tells me they have absolutely no confidence in the Greg Wards of the world, the J.J. Ortega-Whitesides, and go down to the John Hightowers, the Deion Keynes, the Keyshawn. They don't have any confidence in those players. That's that's just a difference in player evaluation. And, and, and they think he gives them the best chance to win. So, you know, if right. they're right, well, I will say that. If they're right, I will say this. That's a Howie Roseman problem because it's obvious. I don't think they're saying Jalen Rager gives us a good chance to win. I think they're saying, yeah, in fact, that's what he said. Jalen Rager gives us the best chance to win. If you were being honest, if you put the true serum in, the rest of that quote would be because we don't have anybody else. And that's the problem. Right. And here's where, again, splitting roads, I would split roads with the coach. And he's there every single day, and he's working with these guys, and he's at practice, he's and I'm not. He's a receiver's coach. I, former receiver's coach. Hey, Greg Boyd's better. I, I'm just sorry. He caught more balls for the field. You weren't here last year, coach. We watched every Eagle game last year, coach. Greg Ward led the Eagles in receptions. I, more than a handful of them from your starting quarterback now, Jalen Rager, in the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts in the last couple weeks of the season. Rager was here, too, last year. And he didn't do anything last year, and he's not doing anything this year. How are we determining he gives us the better chance to win? It sure as hell isn't by going to the tape of this year's games, because the tape on this year's game stinks. So are we talking about physical attributes? Are we talking about the numbers that he put up at TCU? How do you come to that decision? How do well, you a lot that of it evaluation? I talk about, and I, I do think it's fair that, he, you know, the, the strength of this team, and I kind of mentioned it, I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago, was obviously the running game. And obviously the spacing of the running game is key and he helps in that aspect, which is not big. I mean, when you're talking about a first-round pick, Obviously, you want, you know, it's the old when Chip Kelly was here and he talked about Riley Cooper as a blocker, and he was really good as a blocker, Riley Cooper. But when you start talking about receivers, and the same thing with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside now, when you start talking about receivers who were picked highly in the draft uh, as blockers or as spacers in the running game, um, it isn't good. John, Um, John, hold on. Let Let me interrupt you for a second. Can you really look into the camera and tell me you believe that other teams' defensive backs, other teams' defensive coaches are telling their secondary, you better stay right with Rager. You better not worry about the Eagles' running game because Jalen no, Rager can beat us, that he's causing these spacing issues, and that's why the Eagles are very effective running the ball. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's more Mylotta and Casey and Lane Johnson? I'm going to tell you it's the big beef up front that's made the Eagle running game effective, not the fact that Jalen Rager, because he's a pretty good athlete, keeps the other defense honest and keeps the defense spaced. I, no, I think I, I think what, that's what, a theory. I think there's no reality or reason 
to believe that it is is something that's happening on the field on Sunday. Well, you're 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 boiling it down to Jalen Rager is the reason. Now, what they're saying is the running game is like an eleven man outfit, and in fact, the Eagles, you know, always say, "Well, we're plus one in the running game because." You have to account for the quarterback. So it makes it more difficult. Exactly. Usually it's 11 on 10. It's 11 on 11. So everybody plays a, a, a part in that orchestra. Obviously, the most important part is the offensive line blocking. Um, but when you're running a lot of RPOs, when you're running a lot of zone read stuff, you know, as we saw early in the season, a, a pass play is a run play and a vice versa and this and that. And they try to say all this stuff. The spacing is very important. And one of the reasons they wanted speed on the field, they were talking about this. So forget about the names. They wanted speed on the field. Doug Peterson wanted speed on the field. Uh, Nick Sirianni wants speed on the field. That's one of the reasons they want speed on the field because you, you have better spacing because you have to deal with all these things as a, as a defense. It's not, because of Jalen Rager, they're successful in the running game. They want his traits on the field. They think his traits are important on the field. I get what you're saying. He's not productive. I'm the one who said he's played himself off the field. I would try John Hightower because he's he gives you that same trait as far as speed. Uh, if that's what you want on the field, I would go towards John Hightower. I'm just nestling this down to the one comparison. Look, Greg Ward, nice guy, good leader, leader of the, which is kind of comical in a way because he's the leader of the receiver room. He wasn't even a receiver. He was a quarterback. And I've talked, they should have had a veteran presence in that receiver room, which I think is Howie Rosen's maybe biggest mistake when he put together this roster. I'm just trying to get you into their level of thinking and what they're thinking they want that trait on the field and they're not going to take that trait off the field for a guy who can't run and a guy who's not going to produce and remember and i i got not going to produce was greg ward not the eagles leading wide receiver yeah but jody uh, this is where i was going to go next remember Nick, I, I got Nick to go on record with this on purpose, on purpose, because he said it behind the scenes, but you can't say it until he says it. Now he said it so I can direct everybody to it. Everything starts with 88 and six. Those are the receivers on this team. Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, 88 and six. That's what they game plan for. That's what, believe it or not, Doug Peterson, because he had nothing at the receiver position, nothing would often game plan at the end, at times, not often, but at times for Greg Ward to get the football. In this offense right now, nobody's getting the football on except Devontae Smith or Dallas Goddard, unless what happens, you know, Patrick Graham did a great job and that was one of the things that people were criticizing Nick Sirianni for. He tried to evolve the offense against a bad team and get other people involved, and it didn't work. He's going to default back to 6-88, and 88-6, and nobody else is going to get targets because nobody else deserves targets. Right. But here, John, here's here, we're going around in circles. 
it's all about uh, Devante and uh, Goddard. Until the other team decides to double them both, and then guess what? It has to become about somebody else. You can have this philosophy and the play well, not can be if you run the ball. When the final play was run the other day, the ball went to 18, right? The ball was thrown to – it wasn't thrown to Devontae Smith. It wasn't thrown to Goddard. It was thrown to Rager because the other team was good enough to take your two top options away from you. Well, then you can't say it's all about – no, it's mostly about. We try to make it all about, but you can't do that in a National Football League game. If you're going to have other wide receivers out there and they're on the field and they're running patterns, there's a possibility the quarterback may decide to throw the football their way. They did on that play, and Rager couldn't make the catch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not defending Jalen Rager's play. I, I'm, 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 again, I'm just trying to, to get you behind their thought process and why they think he's their best opportunity to win. Um, it, it has to do more with the running game and what they're accomplishing in the running game, the passing game, which he's done nothing, uh, which isn't good. Um, look, they need a better player. They need a better third receiver. But that. But by the way, they need a better second receiver. Second receiver. Yeah. Quez Watkins isn't good. I hate to break it to people. That route he ran at the end of the game was awful. Awful. Um. They got to get better at that position, and it's unbelievable. That's what's getting lost in the weeds here, considering how much draft capital they've spent at that position. First-round pick, first-round pick, second-round pick. And they still need two receivers. It's awful. Yeah, that's pretty damn sad, and that is on Howie Roseman. But uh, but they I, don't want I, – I look, I know, I know you're a Greg Ward guy. They don't want him on the field. I don't know how other way to say, and you've heard it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. For many people besides me who cover this team every day, they respect, they think he has a role on this team as a leader and as a role player and as a guy who can catch the football when it's thrown to him if it's not 100 miles an hour at the goal line. Uh, and he's got better hands than probably any other receiver on this team uh, besides Devontae Smith even though he's a quarterback by trade. Um, but they don't want him on the field. They want it, they want, they want a more dynamic presence on the field. Right. And my point is dynamic presence must actually make dynamic plays. Otherwise, you're not a dynamic well, it would be nice. You're, you're you're on a scouting report that you're a dynamic no, You're not presence. a dynamic player. You actually player. have to make dynamic plays to be considered a dynamic pressure, uh, player in Jody McDonald's world. And, oh, by the way, Rager never makes any dynamic plays. So, no, to no. me, he's not a dynamic player. I've watched no, I didn't say player. I said present. Plays. I said present. He's a guy who can run is basically what he is at this point. Okay. He so can run. Now determining who gets reps in the Eagles wide receivers because of their stop time on a stopwatch. Well, now, no, I thank mean, you. That, 
No, that's uh, that's that's part of what the trait they want on the field. They would like to have a player who could play, but they feel they don't have a player who can play, so they don't want to take that speed off the field. Right. I, I I want to determine who I'm going to put out there and give chances to perform by actual performances made previously in the uniform of the Philadelphia Eagles, rather than what a scout said about them when they were at college and the fact that they well, also when Nick got here, when when Nick got here, because um, remember he wasn't here last year. Um, I mean, Jalen, he did have Jalen for a training camp, and that's where you evaluate. And whatever off season they did have, even though it was dramatically scaled back, and that's where you teach and evaluate. And he is a receivers coach. We, we go back to that one hundred catch, uh, one handed catch. Is that why Jalen Rager is playing? Because he made a one handed no. catch against he his two. teammate he in made... practice. Is that what you can tell me, J Mac? No, I wasn't even going there. But he made two one handed catches. <laughs> now where I was going. Where I was going is he he played better uh, than Greg Ward on a daily basis um, during training camp. Now it hasn't turned out well. He played better than John Hightower. John Hightower, for instance, was awful in training camp, um, and he lost his job. Um, you know, it's not like it. it you know. You're right. I mean, at the end of the day, who cares about practice? But it does matter as far as, you know, getting in the eye of the coach and, and this and that. And they do place weight on that. And he's obviously struggling with confidence issues. And by the way, I can't believe I'm defending Jalen Rager. I'm the one who said they should bench him. But uh, uh, their, their whole reliance on Jalen Rager relates on on two things the trait i told you but more importantly more importantly than that far more importantly if you want to put a percentage on it i would say 90 10 the far more important part of it is they just don't think they have anybody better from an evaluation standpoint and everybody on this team because i you know i've been covering this league for a long time i've seen a lot of practices i've watched a lot of film i've talked to a lot of coaches but I'm not going to sit here and say I know more about the wide receiver position than Nick Sirianni. I mean, that's his position. That's what he grew up on. That's what he coached. That's what he played. He knows what you have to do to play that position well. I do give him some deference when it comes to evaluating that position. I know he's not happy with the way he's playing, but when he does tell me that we don't have a better option, uh, I tend to probably agree with them. And by the way, Jody, I still go to the point, you know what? I'm still trying John Hightower. Just, you know, maybe it's just the confidence issue. Maybe because he's got no confidence. That's what happened to Nelson Aguilar as well. He just lost his confidence. I, do you think that Greg Ward got worse since last year? Uh, no, I think he's the same guy. And if he led the Eagles or inceptions last year. Yeah, but last year doesn't matter. Different coaching staff, different team. Devontae Smith's here. Uh, different roles, different, uh, you know, they do have one real receiver. Uh, so everybody gets knocked down a bunch. Uh, Devontae's, you know, you're going to want to move him around. You're going to 
want him in the slot. Greg can't play out slot. It, it, next last season doesn't have anything to do with this season, even more so than normal because of the change in the coaching staff. Yeah, fair enough. If the coach is uh, gonna, if here's my issue, here would be my problem. Nick Sirianni, former receiver coach, watches these guys every day, and he thinks Jalen Rager can make plays for him. I don't okay. know. Again, yeah. I, well, I know I, I don't have his resume, but I have the results. Well, on Sunday I, and again, at, I think and the missed, results are that Jalen Rager stinks. I well, I don't know how you get from he gives us the best opportunity to win again if you put the true serum because we don't have anybody else until he's a guy who can make plays. I I don't think I've ever heard him say he's a guy who's going to make plays. He's a guy who's going to turn into a star. Tells me all the time Devontae Smith is going to be a star. Doesn't tell me that about Jalen Rager. Understood. But somebody's got to go out there. You're telling me he's dying to play uh, with uh, three wide receivers, if not four. So you got to have somebody. Um, and got to have somebody out there. And that's Rager's what they have. They have a placeholder out there. They have. That's probably the best, best way of describing this. They're having a placeholder, really two placeholders out there. So you tell I, so you tell me how he's going to use a first round pick on a wide receiver. Their wide receivers suck so bad that no, they acknowledge they are, that they suck so bad. They're going to use a first round pick no, on a wide receiver. But they are they are going to sign a a receiver in free agency. Okay. I am going to go on record with that right now. And they're going to draft a receiver. I just don't think they'll draft a, another one in the first round. Nah, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac talk a lot about Jalen Rager here on. Birds 365. Too much. We need to get to, to the Jets. That's who they're playing on. Because I know the Jets. I'm going to tell you, guarantee when Brian Costello is going to join us in less than 15 minutes, jumps on, he's going to tell us the Jets are going to make sure that Jalen Rager doesn't beat him on Sunday. That they will be rolling hard. <laughs> Jalen Rager. I, I, that I, they would, are petrified of Jalen Rager. We've been on the air for 58 minutes. I defy anybody to find me saying Jalen Rager's going to uh, be a impact on this game or the Jets or what they do. I think my words have been misconstrued. I didn't say you said that. I'm <laughs> just uh, talking off the top of my head. Uh, you, Nick Sirianni, anybody else who has any leaning toward Jalen Rager can help the Eagles win games. Gives them That's a better chance to. to win than Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, John Hightower, Dion Cole. I'd rather see Deshaun Mike Johnson. Quick come down out of the broadcast booth and put on pads and attempt to make a play than Jalen Rager at this point. I'd take Rager over Mike Quick right now. Right I now. Take, I take Mike Quick right now. All right. Uh, we are Mac and Mac. We'll take a quickie timeout. Come back. Uh, yes. Brian Costello, Jets beat writer for the New York Post, uh, does Jets reports on WFAN up in New York. He's going to join us coming up in uh, about 10, 12 minutes here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. Uh, a lot to talk about the offense, about the quarterback, about Jalen Rager, about how Nick Sirianni evaluates his wide receivers and how he uses them. Um, defense will be as big a part of determining Sunday's outcome against the Giants. Nobody's talking about the defense. And no. Uh, and Jonathan Gannon's probably okay with that, that yeah. uh, he's off the hot seat out from under the microscope. I want to ask you about a single defensive player on the Philadelphia Eagles because I had uh, Ruben Frank on my uh, W. IP show the other night and uh, he evaluated player one way and I evaluate him a little bit differently um, from A plus to F if I put you on that scale how would you evaluate the play this year of Steven Nelson uh, B B minus B minus good player um, has some limitations uh, down the field um, but he's been the best uh, complimentary corner the Eagles have had for quite a long time. So good, solid player. Not not a great player. All right. Um, Rube had him at about a C, Oof. which That's I harsh. think is woefully underranked. I would rank him even higher than your B minus. I would give him a B. And I do this often. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Um, to truly evaluate someone, if you put a number out there or a letter grade out there, if you say, it can't be that. you got to move it one way or the other. 
if I were to call him a B and I was told you can't give him a B, you got to either give him a B minus or a B plus, I would actually go to B plus. So I think he's between I would go B. up from B minus as well. You'd I go up to forced. B. If I yeah. told you no B minus, you would not go back to C plus. No. You'd come up. All right. So we're we're probably closer than uh, certainly closer than uh, myself and, and Ruben were. Um, I think he's done a really nice job. Um, I believe that in Jonathan Gannon's system, there are a bunch of passes that are thrown in front of him that he knows his job and his responsibility is just to come up and make the tackle after the play has been completed. Doesn't look good. Doesn't grab anybody's attention. You don't say after the play, wow, great play by Steven Nelson. No, he's just doing his job. But if you're in a system, that's what you got to do is your job. Exactly. not going to point. be your job to go up and contest the pass. Just make sure someone doesn't get behind you and give up a 25 or 30 yard pass. Well, then that's him doing his job. I think Steven Nelson does his job on almost every single play. He has not gotten burned. He yeah. does not make mistakes. I think he's been damn good for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know that it's always about the future and you look toward next year and a if, if they can get Steven Nelson back on the same exact deal that they got him on this year, I'd bring him back on a heartbeat. Couldn't couldn't sign off on that fast enough. If the another one-year deal at the same exact dollar numbers, it's my, my option to sign it. I can't sign it fast enough if I'm Howie Roseman. Yeah, I'm, I'm – and I don't know. Not, maybe I'll talk to Rube about it when I get down there. But uh... – I, I think when I say this all the time, I, I think people don't add the context into it. You added an important part to it in that what is he being asked to do? That's an important part to it. You just don't go out there and play like it's pick up uh, football. Right. Like it's your family turkey bowl Thanksgiving. You know, go cover that guy. You know, that you're, you're doing a job. You're tasked with a job. I think you're exactly right, Jody. I think he does what he's asked um, relatively well, relatively consistently, certainly better than we've seen, again, as a complimentary corner. Remember, he's the cornerback, too. Darius Slay's playing like an all-pro, by the way. Yeah. Um, having a phenomenal season. He's been the best corner, arguably, in football, all of football. Uh, he's in that conversation. But – then I then I add in the context of the rest of the league. I mean, eh, there's a lot of shaky corners in this league who don't do what they're supposed to do and are freelancing. And I do think uh, people get too Philadelphia-centric, and they not just Philadelphia. They focus in, you're a Jets guy, they focus in on their team, and they don't look at the rest of the league. How is this guy compared to other number two cornerbacks in the league? And I think he's solid. I think he's solid. Um, and that's what he was in Pittsburgh, and you kind of get labeled. But I do think Avante Maddox is having a, a big year as well as a slot corner. The Eagles are are near the top of the league, and that's been their goal when it comes to explosive plays in the passing game, limiting them. Um, but they do give up a lot of stuff underneath because that's what he's told to do. So blame Jonathan Gannon if you want to blame somebody on that i think he's been a really really solid player and and that's why i'm not going to go overboard um and then you get the pro football focus grades his pro football focus grade isn't tremendous 
I think people lean on that a little bit too much. Um, so I think that all enters into it. Right. But here's the problem with the pro football focus grade. And again, you and I have talked about this many times here on Birds 365. Uh, pro football focus looks at it differently than um, you or I might, or someone who understands what Jonathan Cannon's defensive scheme is all about. They just looked at it in a cold, hard, cool world of what the production was. Well, if you're not supposed to produce on a play, then that should be held against you. Sometimes pro football's focus is, I think, a little skewed. So I'm not going to worry about how they do or don't grade uh, out uh, Steve Nelson. I, I watch enough of it, and I see what he does and doesn't do, and I'm telling you he's doing a heck of a job. A um, couple of these cornerbacks that the Eagles picked up during the year, uh, the kid from Denver when they made the trade right before the uh, uh, trade deadline and uh, the Gowan kid that they got in the Zach Ertz trade, they got any chance of playing between now and the end of the year? They really shouldn't because Slay and <laughs> no. Nelson have been that good. They and shouldn't matters. get on the field. What well. will they if the Eagles get eliminated from playoff contention? Um, n- n- no. Um, I mean, you, you never say never. I mean, you want, may want to rest Darius Slay late if you're not in it. Um, Avante would certainly want to play. Um, and you just signed him to the extension. Um, Steve's going to be a free agent, so could go either way with him. I I think the only way those guys get get on the field are injuries. And you know, Zach McPherson has been the number one corner uh, off the bench, um, which they haven't. I mean, they've been very lucky at the cornerback position. They. They've been healthy for the most part. Oh, yeah. You know, Slay was able to get through concussions, had some banged up, but he's been able to play. They haven't had to go. I think you would see a huge drop off. And you did in what game did Slay leave early? You saw um, uh, Zach McPherson have to come in and they struggled. I'm drawing a blank. I'm trying to look. Same game? Uh, yeah, the Saints game and the Saints started to come back a little bit. That's directly when Slay came off the field, but it was well in hand. You know, people were starting to worry, and Zach McPherson was on. You kind of saw a little glimpse of of what might happen, and it would be interesting if one of the guys got hurt. Would they immediately keep defaulting to Zach McPherson, or would they? give Tay Gowan a shot? Would they give Kerry Vincent Jr. a shot? Would they give Mac McCain a shot? They got a lot of bodies, but we don't know much about any of them. The The most we have is Zach McPherson. He doesn't look ready to play, and since he's first in line, those guys probably aren't ready to play. We'll would see be my if, guess. Well, and I hope that uh, we don't even have to answer this question because he'll stay in it right up until the last week of the season. But um, they've got more backup corner. They've got wide receivers on the active roster. Yeah, they can't. That <laughs> they can't justify in their own mind to put on the field. But they can have all these backup quarterbacks. And meanwhile, and by the way, they'll be on their fourth offensive guard. and They'll be fine. They'll be completely fine. Right. You know, see, you have depth at some positions and in other positions, not so much. 
He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, we are hoping to hear from our buddy, Mr. Costello, Jet Beat reporter. Uh, he should be hopping aboard any second now, Brian Costello of the Post and WFAN, because we want to get a little information on the opponent this week. Yeah, New I know York Jets. Oh, and 11. We haven't brought up that number, which is uh, the most yeah. meaningless number. But, you know, at some point, you know, because obviously the Eagles and Jets don't play each other very, very often, except in the preseason. Preseason, every year every in the preseason. Year. Uh, but when it matters, don't play that often. But it is strange, 0 and 11, or 11 and 0, if you're an Eagles fan. Is it going to 12, or uh, are the Jets going to get their first win against the Eagles? We shall see. Uh, hopefully, Brian Costello of the New York Post talk Jets and Eagles with us next here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that you got your mac and mac guys jody mcdonald and john mcmullen here with you on birds 365 uh, I guess we got a little miscommunication with Brian Costello. Um, he thought I meant 9.20 p.m. 
when I said, can you hop on board with us? He didn't know that it was AM that I was talking about. See, that's what happened. The, I feel so You're, badly. People are used to you at nights at times. That is part of it, yes. Uh, and also, I feel badly for everyone else outside the Philadelphia sphere uh, that don't watch Birds 365 every single day, that don't know, that don't have it already ingrained in their head that it is a morning show. Yeah, Brian's got a gig. It's up in New York. It's covering the Jets. So he doesn't know of Birds 365, so he doesn't know that it's a morning show. And that's why we're having a little difficulty getting him up and on with us. Uh, but uh, Jets coming up this weekend, they're not a good team. They haven't been a good team for a long time. They are 0-11 against the Eagles all time. Um, but one thing they do do okay is get after the quarterback a little bit. And with the fact that the Eagles are on their third right guard of the season with Mr. Herbeck going in this week, does pressure from the Jets' defensive line scare you at all this week, Johnny Mack? Well, I, I think when I look at the Jets and where they are, and there's some injuries, obviously, uh, that they've had to deal with, the four quarterbacks. But you start to look. I always, I, I always tell you, Jody, uh, you can talk yourself into things in the NFL because everybody's got good players. The Jets are no different. Um and to me, it starts on the defensive start, side. It starts up front with uh, Quinn and Williams, uh, who's obviously a first-round pick from a couple of years ago. People probably remember him. Really talented kid. And then uh, probably, in my opinion, and you're a Jets guy, so you give me your opinion. I think their most underrated player, uh, who's a good player that a lot of people don't realize, is John Franklin Myers, uh, who's one of their uh, defensive linemen as well. Uh, now, I think he's a little bit banged up, uh, so you have to keep an eye on that as it moves forward. I know they also have Sheldon Rankins, but he didn't practice. Uh, so I, I do think they have some talent on the front there, and, and those guys can, can get after you a little bit and, and create some plays. Uh, that's where it would start with, with the Jets' defense. The fact that they don't have Marcus May. Elijah Riley went in there, and Jets love him. They signed him up the Eagles practice squad, and they seem to love him. I was talking to Robert Sallow on a conference call. Where is he playing, by the way? Is he playing corner or safety? I think he's playing safety because you're right. May's out of the lineup, yeah. uh, so they've needed – uh, a little bit of an up uh, tick in the game from safety. But, They're raving uh, about him. It's pretty amazing to me. Yeah. So there's an example of you sign somebody off a practice squad, give him a chance, and boom, he goes out there and plays. Maybe the Eagles should do that with uh, one of the receivers. Yeah, there's not a wide receiver out there on anyone's practice squad that the Eagles can't make an argument for that could come in and play for them. Over, And I'm not even talking about Jalen Wick. I'm talking over... Greg, apparently he can't play because they won't put him out there, Ward. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Wide receiver is getting me all ticked off about the Eagles these days. But uh, And, oh, by the way, Jets wide receivers, severely compromised for this week. I uh, don't know if Davis is going to play yet. Their big offseason acquisition. They actually got two wide receivers uh, this offseason. Keenan Cole being one of them and Davis being another. And I don't know if either one of them is going to play. But our next guest, Mike, uh, we've got him up. We've got him ready to go. Brian Costello covers the Jets for the New York Post and WFAN in New York. 
BC, how are the Jets wide receivers? Who is or isn't going to play for them this week against the Eagles? Oh, the Jets wide receivers are, are tough when even when they are healthy, then they're, they're not that good. So, <laughs> um, Davis is a question mark right now, Jody, John. Um, he, he's he, he didn't practice Wednesday. He's been dealing with a groin injury that he suffered uh, in the Miami game two weeks ago. Didn't play last week against Houston. So I think he's going to be a, you know, we have to watch every day what he does. And that could be a game time decision. Uh, Keelan Cole's on the COVID list. He's not going to play this week. He's out. Um, you know, their, their best receiver lately has been Elijah Moore, the rookie, their second round pick out of Ole Miss. He's really been their best guy. Uh, Jamison Crowder, you know, is kind of, you know what he is. He's a pro in the slot. But uh, Moore has been, has been dynamic uh, really before Zach Wilson came back in the lineup. He Moore and Wilson haven't really clicked. He did really well with Mike White and Joe Flacco and Josh Johnson playing. And then on Sunday with Zach Wilson back in there, it felt like the Jets were manufacturing plays for him more than things happening in the offense for him. So that's going to be – that's something to watch is Ken Moore and Wilson click. Well, Brian, you mentioned all the names there, so we got to talk about the quarterback position. The Jets have been forced to play four quarterbacks at times this year, and obviously Zach Wilson is back. He's the future of this organization, although there was a little bit of a hiccup where people thought Mike White was going to get involved. Um, What have you seen from Zach Wilson? I know the Eagles had tremendous interest in him, but they knew very early there was going to be a firewall. There was no way they were going to be able to get up high enough in the draft. Yeah. Obviously, young quarterbacks are going to struggle. So your thought process from what is the ceiling of this kid and are people disappointed in, in how, how, you know, the hiccups to getting there? Yeah, I think, I think fans are frustrated. Um, I think they want to see more, uh, you know, there's not much patience anymore with, with especially a quarterback. Um, the thing with Zach Wilson is he's, he can do dynamic things outside of the structure of the offense. Right. And we've seen it a few times here where he can make, he makes throws that, you know, only a few people on earth can make these kinds of throws. He's got a great arm. Um, he's very good at when the play breaks down, scrambling. He can run around and make something happen. What he's not good at right now is operating within the offense. So if you look at Mac Jones in New England, right, Mac Jones is operating within that offense and, you know, thriving up there. Um, what, what Zach Wilson is doing is he's not thriving within the offense, but when things break down, he can create plays, but you can't live like that. You know, they've got to get him to a point where he is uh, able to operate in the offense, hit the check downs, get in a rhythm, make the rhythm throws, move the offense down the field and not have to rely on these, you know, miraculous throws. All right. Uh, and I think that's a very fair evaluation you have. So I'm going to ask you to carry it further, which needs to change. Does Wilson, did they misevaluate Wilson and his ability to just fit like a glove in the offense that the offensive coordinator wanted to run or is the offensive coordinator got to be more flexible and try and redesign the offense to fit Wilson's skill set if it hasn't been as good a fit as they wanted it to be from day one? I think early on that was a problem, Jody. I, I think they were trying to just force him in the offense. I think I thought Sunday he did a good job of fitting it to him, but you can't design an offense around like, hey, run around and throw 50 yards down the field. Like that's just – that's. <laughs> It's not how you design offenses. So Zach has to get up to speed. Um, I think they knew he was probably going to have some struggles, maybe not this much. Uh, 
you know, they're in their first year here. There's no urgency to win right now with Robert Sala. Um, you know, I think he's got a five-year contract, right? He's, he's not going anywhere. So I think their thought was, let's just live with the growing pains this year, throw them out there, let them work through this rather than watching from the bench. And, you know, then hopefully in 2022, he makes a leap. Well, you mentioned Robert Sala there, obviously a first-year rookie head coach. We're dealing with a rookie head coach here as well in Nick Sirianni. Uh, got a couple minutes with Robert on our conference call with him yesterday. Seems like a really impressive guy to me. Um, like most rookie coaches, Brian, he mentioned the administration stuff, the logistics, the media availability, a little bit maybe more bigger than he thought coming in. Uh, Mike LaFora is the guy building that offense. How, how have those guys been in their first year with the Jets and, and going through this rebuilding process? I think they're growing. You know, it, the thing that stands out to me about this staff is how young the staff is and how inexperienced the staff is. It's not just Robert Sala. Like, they really don't have that many experienced coaches. On, on the offensive side, the offensive line coach, John Benton, has been around. But the rest of them are a lot of first-time coaches first-time NFL coaches, uh, position coaches, I should say. So it's been – there's been rowing pains. You know, and LaFleur really – you know, I thought he had a tough start to the season, and he looked at, he looked overmatched uh, at times. But he has really, I think, gotten a lot better over the last month or so. Uh, you know, he, he called great games with Mike White. I thought, you know, the Cincinnati game where Mike White had a good game, he called a nice game there. Uh, last week in Houston, they didn't put up a lot of yards, but – they were struggling to start the game. Wilson was one of six and with an interception. And White, so LaFleur went to, on uh, in the second quarter, he just went to, you know, push pass to Elijah Moore, 15 yards, screen pass, um, another little, you know, kind of those, those end-around passes, just short stuff to get him going. And they moved the ball down the field. And then the third quarter, they came out, and he had an intermediate throw to Elijah Moore that was just kind of an easy throw for Zach. Then he ran the ball. They ran the ball a lot. And I, so I thought he had, he had a really good game, even though they didn't put up a lot of yards. And I think, yeah, Salah, you know, it, it's hard to evaluate Salah per se um, because he's not calling the defense right now. He gave that up. He's kind of the CEO of this whole thing. Uh, the Jets have not quit on the season or anything like that. They're, they're with him. They're fighting still. They're, they're playing hard. So you'll give him that. I mean, he has a very, very young team. He does not have – uh, a lot of talent on this team, especially on defense. They're, they're really lacking talent. So uh, it's hard to blame the coaching for, for many of these struggles. They had a stretch, guys, where they gave up um, 54 points to the Patriots, 31 to the Bengals, 45 to the Colts, 45 to the Bills. And it felt like, okay, this thing could spiral out of control here. They've righted the ship a little bit now against lesser competition, uh, the Dolphins and the Texans. They've, they've cut, they've, that defense has kind of gotten back on track and played better. So I'll give him credit for that. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I think every coach that comes to the jets thinks they know what they're getting into. And, and then it might be a little bit different when they actually get here and, <laughs> and deal with everything that they have to deal with as coach of the jets. Well, real uh, quick, before you jump in, Jody, I just want to follow up, Brian, our old friend, Joe Douglas, you mentioned Robert Sala um, has five years. Is Joe Douglas on the hot seat already? Or is no. that, no, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think there's questions that are starting to circulate around about Joe Douglas. Um, you know, he's now had basically 
uh, he's been on the job since 2019, but that year he came in after the draft, uh, after free agency. So he's basically had two cycles of free agency in the draft, and the roster is not that good right now. And his 2020 class is not great. Makai um, Becton hasn't played all year because of injury. Denzel Mims is second-round pick. The coaches clearly do not like him, and he, he's, he's had a tough time getting on the field. Um, this year, the draft is promising, but it's all going to be about Zach Wilson. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's his second first-round pick, Elijah Vera Tucker. The guard has played well. Elijah Moore's played well. Michael Carter, their fourth-round running back, who's now hurt. He played well when he's healthy. But all anyone's going to remember is what, how Zach Wilson turns out. So I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. I think next year that, that'll be the question. Um, he has two first-round picks, two second-round picks in the draft. So th- those are four players he's got to hit on. You know, they got to be contributors in 2022 and look like they're, they're solid parts of the future. They're going to have about $50 million in, in cap space so they can add another couple of good free agents. This roster has to be markedly better in 2022. And I, I, like, I think the patience is over with Jets fans. They've, it's been a, this, this is the longest drought in the NFL. 11, it's going to be 11 years without the playoffs. Um, they have to at least contend next year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was 11 years ago that uh, Rex was taking them to the playoffs, but it has been because um, I go all the way back to 1969. So it all blood just blends <laughs> into one blurry picture. Uh, let me ask you about a specific guy you mentioned, Douglas Draft, Denzel Mims. I remember leading up to the draft, thought he was a borderline first round pick. Jets took him in the second round. I thought they got value. He hasn't worked out. And now this is the second coaching staff that he's played under. So I can't just say that it's issues. Coaching tap doesn't get him, doesn't get the most out of him. He's been a disappointment. Why? Yeah. I, I, I think the coaching staff change hurt him, Jody. I think the old coaching staff really liked him. And I think they, you know, they probably would have used him more. I don't think this coaching staff has clicked with him. Um, he got food poisoning in, in the spring and missed almost the entire spring because of the food poisoning, which that set him back. And then when he went to training camp, there are all these guys ahead of him. Uh, I don't think he reacted very well. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna work extra hard here to win the job back. I think he kind of sulked and pouted a little bit, and they did not like that. Uh, so he he was a story all training camp. They, they, at one point, he was on the kickoff team. They were trying to get him on the field. And it's just – then he got hurt uh, in, in training camp and missed some time. And he just hasn't. He was he was inactive in the beginning of the year. Like they, he was just inactive for some games, and it just hasn't hasn't clicked with this coaching staff. Uh, and I'm not sure, you know, if he's he's. I, I would think he's probably going to be on the trade block in the offseason. Yeah, tell tell Douglas not to lose Howie's number because the Eagles <laughs> could use yeah. upgrades at wide receivers. Yeah. Why not? So Why he's. Not? A, I mean, he, the thing with him is like he's very. He's got speed and size that you can't teach, right? But he came from Baylor, which runs a pretty limited offense. So he, yeah. he sort of needed a lot of work. Like, and they knew that when they drafted him. So what happens in 2020, there's no offseason, right, because of COVID. So they, the kid has no OTAs. He's got no minicamp. Then they have a truncated training camp where he hurts his hamstring as a rookie. He misses the entire training camp. Week one, he hurts his other hamstring. So he's out for like four weeks. So he comes in the middle of the season. There's really, you know, the middle of the season, you're not developing guys. You're not teaching them how to play. So he, the rookie year was kind of a wash. Then this year he gets food poisoning in the spring, misses all that. So he could be a late bloomer where someone like someone takes gets him and really puts in the work and he gets him into a full offseason and a full training camp. Maybe he blossoms, but it's just not happening with the Jets right now. But I'll say this, guys, if, if Corey Davis can't play and Keelan Cole's out, 
you're going to see a lot of Denzel Mims on Sunday. Ooh, uh, Denzel Mims. He just came off the COVID list. He was on the COVID list last few weeks. He just came off yesterday. Uh, I think he'd get a lot of reps on Sunday because that's he's the only other guy really that plays that position that those two play. Maybe a showcase game for Denzel. Maybe. There you go. Coming. There, yeah. How do you think? <laughs> well, Brian, uh, you mentioned a little bit about that defense, that, that little stretch they had when it looked like things would unravel. Um, obviously, that's Robert's expertise. Yeah. I like the fact that I guess it's Jeff Ulbrich calling the plays. Is that yeah. who calls the plays? Um, I, I like the fact that he's a CEO coach. That's very rare now for, for young coaches. But if you do look at the defensive side of the ball, I guess the attrition started pretty early with Carl Lawson. Um, what do they do well? Uh, what do the Eagles have to be worried about? And also, what what is – Robert was kind of talking really uh, well about Elijah Riley, who the, yeah. the Jets signed off the Eagles practice squad. How How is he fitting in as well? Yeah, so, I mean, they, they've used on defense, I think it's 34 players. They, the second most in the league, I looked up the other day, the Titans have used more. But they, they've gone through a lot of guys on defense. And, yeah, it started with Carl Lawson blowing out his Achilles in August. Uh, Lawson was having an unbelievable training camp where it looked like he was going to be a great signing for them. He gets hurt. Uh, Marcus May got hurt. He's out. Uh, they, they, they're, cor- they're starting cornerback Brandon Eccles. He got hurt. He's out. So they've gone through a lot of different guys. What they do well is their defensive line is pretty good. And, you know, Quinn and Williams is their best player in the middle. Uh, John Franklin Myers, the guy who's developed for them uh, pretty well, at the defensive end. They have Sheldon Rankins, you know, who used to be on the Saints. who's He's mm-hmm. played well for them. So they've got a pretty good defensive line. C.J. Mosley, inside linebacker, is a good player. So, you know, they should be good. This should be an interesting matchup for them with the Eagles offensive line and the Eagles running game. Uh, and they they got gashed by the Colts uh, in early November. The Colts ran for 260 yards on them. Jonathan Taylor just killed them. Since then, they've been better, but they haven't played a running game quite that caliber. So you, this is going to be an interesting test, which Robert Sala even said yesterday. He's like, I'll tell you Sunday if we're better against the run. Um, you know, in terms of Elijah Riley, yeah, they, they love him right now. He's played – he started the last two games – for them, uh, like I said, Marcus May was out, and safety's kind of been a position where they've gone through a lot of guys. They had signed Lamarcus Joyner in the offseason; he got hurt week one, uh, and they've just kind of been rotating guys through there, trying to find people. And Riley's played well; he's been aggressive, he's been a good tackler. Um, you know, they haven't they haven't faced an elite passing attack since he's been in the lineup. They faced Miami and Houston, so it's hard to evaluate how he is. You know, Garden. Guarding against the deep ball. We'll see when Tom Brady comes to town and, and after Christmas. You're not going to have to worry about it this week. Trust me. <laughs> no. So, yeah, again, like he's – so they, the Jets have a kind of a run here of like not the greatest quarterbacks in the world in terms of passing that they're playing until they get Tom Brady and Josh Allen in, in the final two weeks of the season. Ooh. But So we'll tell you then how he is as a safety against the, against the pass. But he's been good against the run. Um, and their defense has been more functional, like I said, in the last two weeks. And he's been in the middle of that. All right, the last week in that stadium, the Giants did a good job of shutting down the Eagles' two best options in their <laughs> passing game, Zach Ertz and Devonta Smith, with Bradbury pretty much covering Smith all over the field. Are the Jets going to run that kind of defense? Is it going to be mano a mano? Are they going to play more zone on the defensive backside? Um, how do you think they will try and duplicate what the Giants did, which is – 
not let Devonta Smith or Zach Ertz beat him. Uh, not Zach Ertz, uh, Dallas Goddard beat him. He uh, will take our chance of shutting down everybody else. Yeah, I don't think they'll do the same thing. The Jets have a different defense. Jets run a lot, a lot more zone. Um, they have matched a little bit with Bryce Hall, their, their number one cornerback, the last couple weeks. It's funny. They played the Bills, and Stephon Diggs was lined up against uh, the Javelin Gidry, who's a backup cornerback, and he killed them. And, and it was like after the game, we're like, well, why, why did you leave Gidry on Diggs? He's like, well, we don't match up. We don't do that in our defense. And it was like – okay, you know, you've won a lot more games in the NFL than me, but that seems kind of weird to me that you wouldn't just put your best cornerback on Stefan Diggs. And so then the next week against Miami, they had Bryce Hall moving around and tracking, tracking Jalen Waddell. And, and they had, they had a matchup with Gasicki. They all of a sudden they became a matchup defense. So maybe they do that this week, but their, their, their mode is, you know, Salah's background is Seattle. That's where he grew up as a football yeah. player. Cover three. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah, cover three. And, you know, Richard Sherman never moved with a receiver. He stayed on one side. And so that's kind of their background. And I think they'll be they'll be so much more worried about stopping the run. Um, you know, I'm not sure if they'll, they'll match up with Devontae or not. And, yeah, uh, tight ends tight ends can kill them. Um, you know, they, they do not have great cover linebackers. So that that is a matchup to watch. Brian, uh, strange outlier. Uh, want to know how much it's brought up in Jets country. 11 and 0, the <laughs> yeah. Eagles against the New York Jets, which is obviously, you know, they don't play each other that often. So it's one of those stats that doesn't matter much, but it, it is a weird, weird outlier because it doesn't happen. It's, it's the only, it's by far the largest uh, streak in the NFL, one team versus another, uh, 11 and 0. I think the next one is five and oh, maybe Minnesota yeah. against Houston. So why why do you think it is? It does it wear on the Jets? The people obviously it's new it, they're constant turnover, new head coach, doesn't matter to Robert Sala. Yeah. New quarterback, doesn't matter to Zach Wilson. Does that kind of get in people's ears though? This week, I wrote about it today. I wrote a column about it today and just kind of had fun with it, you know. And it's I wrote that you know the Jets have a lot the Jets history book, as Jody knows, has a lot of awful chapters, right? <laughs> the Eagles chapter is not really the most awful, but it's, it's kind of weird. It's just a weird, awful yeah. chapter. And there are some, like, you know, I went back and read some of the stories about some of the games. You know, the first game in 1973 was at the vet in the rain and Namath was warming up and his knee buckled and uh -oh. Al Woodall had to play the game. And the Jets led 17 nothing. And he throws a he threw a pick six to uh, John Outlaw, I believe was the name, and and the Eagles won the game. And it kind of it's, it's kind of gone like that since then. And you know, 1993, Eric Allen with a 94 yard interception return, which some of your your listeners might remember uh, against Boomer Esiason. Um, So it's been it's been interesting. It, it, there's been some and then there's been some real Jets clunkers in there too, like a couple of years ago where they had Luke Falk at quarterback and he was sacked. Oh, yeah. Ah, that the immortal Luke Falk. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun. Like it's like, I'm sure not for Jets fans, but it's kind of fun, you know, just this, like, it's just this weird history. And I asked Robert Sal yesterday, you, you know, do you, do you, do you know that? And he goes, yeah, someone, you know, I saw it. And he, I said, what do you think? He's it's history. You know, and he's like, and sure. It doesn't matter. These players or the no. coaches. It's, it's not, they, Losing, like, what is it now? Two, four, six, eight, ten. Losing 12 straight to the Patriots hurts the Jets a lot more yeah. than losing 11 since 1973 to the Eagles when, you know, most of these guys were never, didn't, have never yeah. even seen a Jets Eagles game. So, 
Um, but it's 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 just kind of a quirky thing. And you can bet if the Jets somehow win on Sunday, it's gonna that's gonna be our story here. Is oh, the Jets yeah. finally beat the Eagles. <laughs> finally beat the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> can read the headlines now. All right, BC. Last question, and you'll like it because it's multiple choice on two different levels. Um, fill in the blank for me. The Eagles will win their twelfth consecutive game against the Jets and stay undefeated against them all time because fill it in or the winning. Has turned the the losing has ended. The Jets get their first ever win against the Eagles because pick win or lose and tell us what will be the main reason why one of those two results happen. I think the Jets are going to win, guys, because I think this is a pretty decent matchup for them. Because what they can do, like I mentioned, that defensive line is playing well, and I think they'll be okay against the run. I think they'll be able to slow the Eagles' run game down. And I don't think the Eagles can beat them through the air. And I think that's how you beat the jets right now is their secondary is really weak. Uh, and so the curious thing for me is how the jets offense matches up with the Eagles defense and can they do enough? And that, that is a question mark to me. Um, I'm going to say they, they, you know, they do just enough. The, the Eagles seem to be in a weird spot right now after that giants game. Um, and maybe the jets are catching them at the right time here. I lied. I got one more question. All right. You what, Zero to 10, zero being Get them the hell out of here. Ten being signed up to a five-year contract. Where's your confidence in Amendola, the Jets kicker? Oh God, it's probably a two. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, stinks. Uh, yeah, but like, so I will say this, Joey. Like, you look around the league, there are not many good kickers, right? I know well, we got we got the player of the month, special teams player of the month in November here in Philadelphia. Wait, here's what. Here's how the Jets season. Here's how the Jets season has gone this year, and basically for the last I don't know ten years. The Jets punter, rated man, got hurt in week one against the Panthers. He hurt his left knee. Amendola had the punt for him that day. He was incredible. He had like a 60-yard punt. He was great. It was like, this guy should be a punter instead of a kicker, (laughs) right? So the Jets go out and they sign Thomas Morstead, the old Saints punter, right? And so he punts for them from week two until uh, about two weeks ago, maybe they caught him, and, and man was ready to come back. So Thomas Morstead goes to Atlanta. He's the, he was the special teams player of the week this week in, in Atlanta. Like, and it's like, why the Jets cut him? This guy, he's better than the Jets punter. So that's that's kind of how the Jets' life goes uh, goes here. Uh, where <laughs> is uh, uh, Bobby Howell when you need him? Yeah. Uh, Amendola looks good in the gym, though. He's Jack for a kicker. <laughs> and Nick Folk, Nick Folk, who was the Jets kicker for years, and they got rid of is you know is money for the Patriots now. Every time you look up, Nick Foles making a field goal yeah. for the Patriots, and they cut him like five years ago because they didn't think he he was he thought he was done. <laughs> BC, good stuff. Good to catch up, brother. We appreciate thanks, it greatly. Johnny will nice see you in the press box on Sunday. Thank uh, you. Thanks, guys. Brian Costello, New York Post, WFAN Jets reporter, here with us on uh, Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, Jay Mack and I coming back. Don't go anywhere. Like us right here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Mega Mac guys, come down the home stretch of a Thursday edition of Bird 365. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we will get on the record, make official picks in the game. Brian Costello, I got being the homer that he is, yeah, yeah. good job, Costello. It's 50 years of history, what 1973, so 48 years, 19, 48 years of history. Brian Costello's got the Jets stopping it. <laughs> Not sure if that's going to happen, but you're right, 48 years, but that only adds up to 11 games. Yeah. Which is 11 and 0. Oh, that's a pretty good number. It's a really nice winning percentage. Yeah, it's a, goopy, it's a goopy number. It is quirky because a lot of things got to go in a weird way for that to happen. And it started in game one. I did not know that Joe Namath story. That was a good story. Yeah, uh, good stuff. And he gave us some good background information on uh, Denzel Mims, too, because he's a guy who maybe the Eagles could or should have interest in this upcoming offseason. We know Harry Roseman and Joe Douglas should be able to do a deal, right? Um, and remember this about this game, which I'm not sure it means anything, but factor it in. The Eagles and the Jets are supposed to play once every four years. It's pretty obvious uh, the way the NFL schedule works. You play another conference's division once every four years. Well, they just met a couple of years ago because this was the all added 17th week of the season. The NFC East happened to be matching up with the AFC East. The last place finisher in the AFC East, that would be the Jets playing the last place team from the NFC East last year. That would be the Eagles. Yeah. That's the reason why this game is being played. 
not because it's the once every four year thing. It's the kind of jumped into the middle of things because the Eagles uh, get an additional game like everyone in the National Football League. And sure enough, it happened to be against a team they're undefeated against. So don't give me this Eagles hard schedule thing. They got handed the Jets on a silver platter. They yeah. better take advantage of it on Sunday, Johnny. But Man. maybe it's that quirky, uh, quirkiness going the other way. Maybe the Eagles aren't ready. They're prepping for once every four. And there come the Jets. Maybe it throws them oh, off. The whole, the whole not ready yeah. for the once every four year thing. I hope we'll yeah. see if it plays out <laughs> that way. All right. Uh, what do you got today, big guy? Uh, Eagles practice. They'll be on the practice. practice. Now, are you sure? Or could this be a walkthrough? Once uh, again, Nick Sirianni defaulting to less is more with his football team. I am never 100% sure. Anything could happen, but they are scheduled to practice at uh, about uh, 12.45 today. Okay. Players before that. So as soon as I get off here, uh, I'll be heading down to the Novacare Complex tomorrow. Game day, Kratz. I already got him locked in for 820. Um yeah, and we'll get Jets Eagles predictions. We will do that. Uh, maybe Jeff Carr tomorrow too. Um, do you know ahead of time when did they tell you what players are going to be available? Do you just get what they decide to give you? Do you get to make a request? I know there are. Yeah, we guys can that are request. Uh, uh, generally, um, you know, if you ask, they'll tell you who's scheduled for the day. Um, typically. Uh, Darius Slay leads off every Wednesday. So some guys like to fit in, uh, you know, he wants to go to lunch really quickly. So he wants to get it over with. So typically guys pick a day, they're going to speak. And uh, at this time of the season, you get a feel for it. Uh, but you can request if something big happens, if, you know, somebody like Greg Ward makes a, a play in Sunday's game, we can request him that hasn't talked to us in a while. So, uh, yeah, it's a give and take in the COVID so, you world. You know, it's it's funny that you go there because, uh, and you're part of the Eagles media beat, and you're outstanding at it. And I'm not. I'm just a guy who sits here on YouTube and gives you his opinion on a day in day out basis. But if I were one of your groups, I would actually request Greg Ward to be able to ask him the question. How badly do you suck in practice that the coach doesn't think you should be on the field instead of a guy who can't catch the ball? Kind of an important asset that a wide receiver in the league needs is the ability to catch the ball. Man, you must think in practice that you can't get on the field over him. Greg, what are you doing? That'd be the question I'd ask Greg Boyd today. Well, I think he got to couch it with a little bit more. Uh, professionalism. Maybe, you know, do you think you deserve more playing time? You get to the same, uh, you get to the same end game and you're, you're not kicked out of the complex. <laughs> I'm annoyed enough that I'd be okay with getting kicked out of the complex. All right, uh, partner, we'll do this again in 22 hours. It was fun today. We probably talked way too much about Jalen Rager than we did, uh, yeah. but I had fun. It's a and big I story. It's a big story I for the people Eagles. People streamed in, enjoyed it yeah. as well. And there's only one way we'll find out is if you like us. Like, Hit share, that like subscribe, button. Click that like share. button. Also share, subscribe. Share, do it share, all. Share, subscribe, like. Do it all. We try and do it all for you every day here on Birds 365. Now we're putting it on you guys. Do it all for us on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.